Oh my heavens. I was not ready for these lights. Are you kidding me? Oh my gosh. You've got to be kidding me. Well, I don't, maybe I don't think you want to see me. I've gained weight. I've gotten uglier. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Can't wear my skinny pants anymore. I don't know if you guys remember last time I spoke, uh, I had this awesome picture. I think it was absolutely hysterical. Some people thought it was inappropriate, but uh, I told them they'd get over it. Uh, it was um, a pit bull. I think it was, what was, what kind of dog was that? It was a pug. That's right. It was a pug and belly hanging out, you know, and chicken legs. And it says men over 30 trying to wear skinny jeans. Uh, I haven't hit the 30 yet, 30 uh, year mark, but uh, what I uh, am trying to do, I'm trying to milk it as much as I possibly can. Uh, fatherhood is one of the most re- rewarding, um, but like, just be super real, miserable. Like, <laughs> like I'm, I'm serious. Like, but again, that that is revealing the the flesh side, you know, of our nature. Of, uh, and, and I think. You know, I look back on the journey the Lord has taken me on, uh, and I actually uh, shared this with the youth at the end of, uh, of what I was sharing on. You know, you don't need uh, incredible ministry school. You don't need uh, incredible uh, teaching. While all those are extremely important, uh, for example, I went through Bethel, getting my master's, all this stuff, this fancy stuff. And I thought I was a heck of a lot farther along in my walk with the Lord because I had all this great education. And then uh, my wife comes along in my life. We get married, and I quickly realize I'm a selfish brat. And then my son comes along and reveals all the more that, oh, my gosh, it's all about me. I'm, you know, again, like, <laughs> education is great. It is absolutely critical. But if you don't have anything in your life challenging you on that education and you're actually not able to walk it out, it's useless. I mean, so for what it's worth, I'm dead. (laughs) I am dead inside. (laughs) I'm not superstitious, but I am a little stitious. (laughs) No, that's, uh, all right. So uh, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Joel, like uh, uh, Shelly introduced me as. Um, I am the eldest son of Eric. Uh, I don't know if that's uh, something I should be announcing, but it's kind of where I'm at. I have no choice, right? Uh, and uh, my wife and I, for so just want to kind of catch people up for those of you that are new. Uh, I, my wife and I, we live in Knoxville, Tennessee. We've got a six-month-year-old. My wife, she works. Uh, his name is Abner Hezekiah Haler. He is the absolute cutest thing you'll ever see. I'm biased. Uh, I, I get to say that, but I think those of you that have seen him, I think you probably would agree. But I don't know if they're, I can't even see. They're back there. There's my beautiful wife, and my handsome son is to be found. I don't. He's probably. He's right there. It's funny. We found uh, one of our favorite restaurants uh, in Knoxville. Uh, it's actually a burger joint. My wife's favorite food is hamburgers, and we go probably once a month. Uh, that kind of fits in our budget, and everybody knows Abner at this burger joint. So uh, last time we went there a couple weeks ago, all the waitresses kind of have their turn. They carry him around the restaurant. And uh, it's actually really sweet. We're starting to build great relationships, uh, you know, just with families there. And that's actually what I get to do for work. 
Uh, I work for an organization called Holston Home for Children. Uh, so we've got about 700 kids uh, within our custody. So we do foster care, adoption services, uh, and everything that kind of falls under that umbrella. And uh, so I, I am in Knoxville. I kind of run the Knoxville portion and West. Uh, I don't really do a lot, quite honestly, in regards to the foster care and adoption side of things. Uh, I actually focus on kind of community development. So I'm actually out in the streets, uh, walking in neighborhoods, uh, getting to meet people. And uh, this was part of my job, because uh, we want to identify these kids early to prevent them actually coming from into our, our custody, right? We want to be able to catch them early, uh, work on the family, get them healthy. That would, again, prohibit them from being able to come into our custody. We love our kids, and we want to bless them and love them and you know, usher them into an encounter with, the God, with God. Um, but before Abner was born, I, I walked the streets, and, you know, you just see this skinny jeans uh, gentleman walk in the streets. And, you know, people, people's walls are up. Everybody's kind of on edge. They see, and they're like, what's this guy up to? What's he want? What's he asking for? You know, that kind of stuff. But as soon as my son came along, uh, he actually goes to work with me. He comes out on the streets with me, one, because I want to expose him. Uh, to the realities of the gospel. I want to plant those seeds in his life where he's actually seeing people being led to the Lord. He's actually seeing people healed, set freed right there uh, in Knoxville. And so ever since he's came along, we've probably, he and I, we've led about 20 plus people to the Lord. Uh, there was, there's really cool healings uh, that are taking place. And uh, I, have to, I have to say, it's, it's because of my little boy. And uh, one really cool testimony, though, I do want to share that I think, you know, the Lord is uh, wanting to wake up the church. Um, and one of the ladies, it's, it's actually our cook on campus. She makes, quite honestly, she's probably one of the reasons why I am the, at the weight that I am. <laughs> I take responsibility, don't, don't hear me out. But she makes great food. Um, she actually just got diagnosed with breast cancer about a month ago. I had progressed significantly and uh, like so fast that they had to go, uh, they scheduled surgery very, very early on. I don't know all the, you know, the things that go on, you know, when it comes to testing for breast cancer, but she was telling us like all the things that they do. I mean, it's so extensive. And I remember she went into surgery, she had a piece removed uh, that would allow them to test it and all of this stuff. I mean, it just was all over uh, her body. And, uh, I think it was two weeks went by before they actually had scheduled the surgery to fully take everything out. And, you know, she, in, in her faith, uh, she's in Yorka. Yeah, she is super blunt, uh, is, you know, kind of on the edge about faith, doesn't know where she stands with this whole Jesus thing, but she's, she's given her life to the Lord. She's intrigued in all of this stuff. And literally, they're about to go onto, the, she's about to go onto the surgery table and they test you one last time before they take you into surgery. And the doctor just barges in, starts crying, and says, you are cancer-free. Like, literally, not a lick of cancer in her body. There is no more uh, abnormal tissue. There is no more lumps. And so, y'all, I'm telling you, I said, y'all, like the Lord's up to something. He's, he's, he's after people's hearts. He's after people's minds. He's after people's souls. And the question is, is do we have a response? Are we going to respond? Come on. 
in Jesus. So, ah, it's good to be back up here with you guys. Um, I'll be honest with you, uh, preparing for this message uh, was one of the most difficult messages I've actually uh, put together. My wife and I were actually talking about it last night and even this morning. Uh, this is probably one of the more difficult messages that I have uh, prepared. My, I even was talking to my dad about it yesterday, trying to, you know, navigate. And I think this is kind of the season that I'm in. Um, so some of you, a lot of you know the journey that I've been on of very flaky Christianity, didn't know what I believed, just going to church, doing my thing, uh, you know, on the outside was, hey, pastor's son, I'm not living crazy lifestyle. You guys know what I'm talking about. And then the Lord radically set me free. Uh, touched me, you know, some of you know about my miracle, uh, par- paralyzed from the waist down, didn't think I was ever going to walk again, the Lord radically healed me. Um, and, and, and that's really where my journey began. And it's funny, I actually, some of this text, the Lord actually kind of prepared a message uh, about, about, on this specific topic, probably about four, four years ago, beginning of 2017. And I'm actually going to show a picture of it later. Uh, man, it, re- it really rocked me because I encountered the Lord so powerfully um, in this specific area of my life. Um, and so it's, it's, it's beautiful because I've got all of the knowledge. I've got all the head stuff. I've got all the studying. I've got all of that good. And it's great. You know what I mean? Thank you. Appreciate it. I need to cry more often. I don't cry very much. I haven't cried. Actually, I wept when we dedicated Abner. Uh, it's great to have head knowledge. You know, I've, I've, I have swung on the pendulum of charismania. Right? I used to be super emotional, cared what people think, was so emotionally driven. And then I went to the other side and I was just headstrong didn't give a rip about what people thought, spoke truth, but it wasn't in love, right? And so I'm kind of on this journey of like, all right, Lord, where do I land, you know, kind of in this middle? And I think some of you have kind of seen that pendulum swing back and forth. Uh, It's probably one of the goofiest things you've probably seen, quite honestly, because I just, I mess up all the time. But it was really difficult trying to nail down what is the Lord speaking through this specific text. And we're going to be spending uh, some time in 1 Samuel 4. Uh, some of you may have seen my title. I actually kind of adjusted a little bit because I didn't want to exaggerate. I didn't want it to be, you know, harsh, right? Because this is actually a very loving message. This is a, a message that the Lord has really kind of drug me through. And I'm, I'm trying to, you know, be loving, speak truth in love, because I really, I really see the Lord moving the church into a new season, and we have the opportunity to ultimately make the choice, are we going to go with Him, or are we going to stay in our habitual routines? And so that's really, the t- my message is, is traditions, are they a hindrance, or are they divine? Okay? You guys tracking with me so far? All right, so how's everybody doing? Just like kind of gauge with me. You guys good? Like, you, well, you guys don't really have a choice. I mean, I, <laughs> uh, you got to put up with it uh, either way. So, all right, so let's uh, f- turn your Bibles. 1 Samuel 4, uh, we're going to read verses 1 through, we're going to do 1 through 10. I was going to read all of chapter 4 and chapter 5, and then I realized, I was like, that's probably too much. 
you know, uh, I love, I love, I love, I love scripture. I love being able to dive into it. But, but for the sake of time, we are just going to get right on it. And uh, let's get going. You ready? And the word of Samuel came to all Israel. So before we move on, let me just set the context. I think that'd probably be a good idea, too. So Israel in this moment, they are not living right for the Lord. Eli had uh, been the prophet for many, many years. He had two rebellious sons, and Eli never, ever corrected his sons. They were living a rebellious lifestyle. They were doing stuff in the temple that was just obscene, not of God, and they were continually in sin. And so because of this, we all know the story of Israel they continued to fall away from the Lord. They got back into the patterns of a lot of the other, like the Canaanites, for example. They started worshiping their gods and that kind of stuff. And so we are at the pinnacle where Samuel has been anointed the prophet for Israel, right? Eli is on his way out, but Samuel is receiving the word of the Lord for Israel, okay? And this, this in, in the very start of chapter 4, it says, And the word of Samuel came to all of Israel. If you really look at this in the original Hebrew, it's actually saying words were spoken through Samuel to Israel, but Israel never listened. So during Eli's reign, there were, I'm trying to remember the number off the top of my head, there were not very many words of the Lord. Over several hundred years, it had been, the Lord had seemed to be silent. But now it, it had shifted. Everybody thought he, the Lord was still silent, but what was actually happening, they weren't listening. The Lord's always speaking. The question is, is are we listening? Right? Perfect example right here. Boom. Now Israel went out to battle against the Philistines. They encamped at Ebenezer and the Philistines encamped at Aphek. The Philistines drew up in line against Israel and when the battle spread, Israel was defeated before the Philistines who killed about 4,000 men on the field of battle. And when the people came to the camp, the elders of Israel said, Why has the Lord defeated us today before the Philistines? Let us bring the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord here from Shiloh, that it may come among us and save us from the power of our enemies. So the people sent to Shiloh and brought from there the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of hosts, who is enthroned on the cherubim. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were there with the Ark of the Covenant of God. And as soon as the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all Israel gave a mighty shout so that the earth resounded. And when the Philistines heard the noise of the shouting, they said, What does this great shouting in the camp of the Hebrews mean? And when they learned that the Ark of the Lord had come into the camp, the Philistines were afraid, and they said, A God has come into the camp. And they said, Woe to us, for nothing like this has happened before. Woe to us. Who can deliver us from the power of these mighty gods? These are the gods who struck the Egyptians with every sort of plague in the wilderness. So take courage and be men, O Philistines, lest you become slaves to the Hebrews as they have been to you. Be men and fight. So the Philistines fought, and Israel was defeated, and they fled, every man to his home. And there was a very great slaughter, for 30,000 foot soldiers of Israel fell. And the ark of God was captured, and the two sons of Eli, Hophni, and Phinehas died. Okay. You're like, Joel, how does this have to do with traditions? What is going on? We're going to get to that. But I want to kind of paint a picture through 
the Israelites of how they used tradition in their own life and they relied on tradition rather than relationship. It was actually a hindrance uh, instead of something that was divine. Okay? You guys good with that? You following me? Okay. So the Israelites decided the next battle would be won if they took, of the, if they took the Ark of the Covenant with their soldiers because it was their tradition to do so. Right? So prior to this, we see Saul took the Ark of the Covenant into battle. They took the Ark of the Covenant into every battle that they went and fought, right? So again, they saw that. That was something that they had seen done previously. It was a tradition to do. Now, we don't know this until 2 Samuel 11, where David brings, right, the Ark of the Covenant into the city of Jerusalem, right? And so, again, they, they made a tradition out of that. So some of you may be like, okay, well, what's so important about the Ark of the Covenant? I know it may seem simple, uh, and some of us may know that. However, I do not want to skim over the fact that the Ark of the Covenant was the physical presence of God during that day. And I think his tangible physical presence always needs to be highlighted. So, I love it. So, the Ark of the Covenant was the representation of the throne of God in Israel. It was kept in the most holy place of the tabernacle, and the people never saw it. Only the high priest entered and saw the ark only once a year. So the elders wanted to take this representation of the throne of God out of the Holy of Holies. Now granted, it could be moved when the tabernacle was to be moved. But they wanted to take it out of the Holy, Holy, Holy of Holies, cover it, and bring it into battle with them. They, would, they hoped that it would give confidence that God was really with them. So the ark went into battle before them. Right, we see that the, uh, the tradition was as the, the ark went into f- in the front of the marchers around the city of Jericho. We saw that, right, in Joshua 6. Moses told the priests to lead the ark into battle against the Midianites. That's in Numbers 31. And then later, Saul brought the ark into the battle, 1 Samuel 14, 18. Right, and then I mentioned King David. He brought uh, that into 2 Samuel eleven eleven. So here's kind of the dangers that the Israelites were treading on. We see uh, in verse uh, 10 and 11, they kind of regarded the ark as the good luck charm and believed that they could not lose if the ark and the covenant were with them. They looked at the ark to save them and not the creator of the ark. Right? How many of you, I'm just going to be super honest with you. You don't have to raise your hand. If you do, if you want to, you can. But, like, how many of you ever treated the Holy Spirit kind of like a vending machine? Right? You put your quarters in. You put, like, your good deeds in. You're living in tradition. And you're like, Swiss roll. Come on. (laughs) I like Swiss rolls. Come on. Don't. Come on. You guys know what a Swiss roll is, don't you? But it's all about me. It is what I can get, what I can do to receive something from you. I did my due diligence. I put my quarters in. I, I, live, I studied the word. I, I worshiped you this morning. Therefore, therefore, I get to receive something for you. Right? I, I'm guilty of it. Lord, if, if you do this, you have my whole life. If you come through in this area, I will live according to your word. I will be completely devoted to you. How many of you have done that? Oh, my gosh. Whew. 
<laughs> that was me, flaky Christian, Joel. Lord, if you just let me make this three-point shot. <laughs> Hit this buzzer beater. I'm, I'm going to live my right, life right for you. <laughs> Isn't it so silly? Like, now that I think about it, it's just like, uh-uh. and it, that's not only funny, it's slimy, yeah. right? It's gross because it's so self-centered. I, 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 I know last time I spoke, cringy. Cringe. It is cringy. Okay. I'm learning all new words. No, I'm not. <laughs> but I believe there's two reasons uh, for Israel's loss uh, in this specific context, right? So the first, the Israelites felt the battle would be easy because the Ark of the Covenant was there and they actually did not believe they had to try as hard. How many of you have thought that presence is with me therefore I don't have to try as hard I hate to break it to you guys in case you haven't found out by now life's hard like we actually have to put forth effort in our walk with the Lord like (laughs) and I think Israel actually kind of gives us a prime example of that second God did not bless Israel's superstitions right because they believed in the power of the ark instead of the power of God So we see, right, the Ark of the Lord was captured by the Philistines. So this is worse than losing the battle itself. The actual Ark of the Covenant was removed from their hands, their identity, right, their traditions, everything that was built in regards to their culture, in regards to their religion, centered around the Ark of the Covenant, and all of a sudden, that is completely removed. Very similarly, and this was not a, for me personally, this was not necessarily a good thing, but the traditions that I had set up, my identity, right, in high school and going into college, basketball, all-star, you know, athlete, all this stuff that, again, is not of God, right, even though I thought, I thought it was because it was a gift that he had given me. Oh, I'm going to reach people through my athleticism, through my gift, all this stuff, right? I mean, just super manipulative, trying to, you know, make it sound spiritual and holy, right? And it came absolutely crushing down when I wound up paralyzed. Very similarly, all this stuff that, you know, traditions that the Israelites had built up, some of them are good, right? But they took place of the actual presence of the Lord, what happened? They came crumbling down. The ark was actually taken away from them. And this is the, this is the reality. is like we make good things traditions. Right? I'm not saying that the ark of the covenant is bad. Right? There was nothing wrong with the ark itself. In fact, God commanded them to make it. It was important to Israel. It was important to the Lord. Right? He told them to put the tablets of the law, a jar of manna, and Aaron's rod that had budded in the ark as a reminder of what he had done. Yet even a good thing like the ark can be made a tradition. And God will not tolerate our traditions over relationship. He won't tolerate it. If there's anything in your life that is getting in the way of relationship with him, at some point it is going to come crashing down and it hurts. Is this not the case with us? You guys ready for it? Come on. You guys ready? I'm about to just, 
And here's the thing. I want you to realize just before we kind of go into kind of some of the traditions that I see, not necessarily New Covenant. It probably has uh, its places in here. But the church body as a whole, I kind of identified three areas where I feel like we have made traditions sacred. They are sacred traditions, but we lean more on that than the actual presence of God himself. Okay, so I'm coming from a place where this is, these are areas that the Lord is just churning in my heart. He is, he's trying to take me to the next step uh, in my walk with him and trying to take me from these uh, traditions, right, that I have continued to stay stuck in and have not made the choice to move forward. And I'm going to talk about it a little bit. These traditions are in place for a specific season. But I hate to break it to you, seasons shift. And if you're in the same tradition that you were 25 years ago, there's an issue. Right? So, there are countless spiritual disciplines that we as believers have access to. We live in an amazing time where you can literally jump on YouTube and you can literally search anything you want, spiritually. It's a beautiful thing. I love it. But here, here's the danger. I, I have ran into so many people that have told me this. And if you're one of these people, sorry, but it's wrong. <laughs> if you pick and choose what you want. So, for example, I had, I had a buddy. He's like, I love, I love the fact that COVID has allowed me to listen to Bethel Music Worship. And then I'll listen to Stephen Furtick as a message. And then I'll go and listen to T.D. Jakes for another additional teaching. Love that, but you're never, because you're, what you're doing, this is what I've done, so you may not be doing this, right? What you're doing is, is you're feeding yourself something that you already believe, and you're not actually challenging yourself because they're teaching something that you already know, and it's actually not necessarily challenging you to actually think outside the box that you're in, right? Because you're hearing the same stuff over and over, those, those individuals, it's great, they, they are they have a very unique calling on their life to reach a very specific people group. And they are continuing to teach very similar teachings, right? Kind of up that same vein. And if you're not getting out of that vein to actually sharpen yourself, to actually challenge, what do I really believe in regards to this? I'm just kind of regurgitating Stephen Furtick or Bill Johnson or whoever it may be, right? So for personally, like I used to do that. Like, I would just listen to Bill and Chris constantly. It was needed in a season. It really was. As I was trying to discover who I was in the Lord, it was very needed because I was so immature, I didn't know how to do that for myself. So I had people in my life, right, that would instruct me, that would teach to me. I know this is a word that not a lot of people like, but I submitted decisions to that I let somebody else make a decision for me because I trusted them more than I trusted myself. Submission is a fun word that people hate to hear, but it is biblical. It is a beautiful, beautiful thing. And so I started reading John MacArthur, John Piper, all these super rigid legalistic now listen here before i even say that they have access to the lord it is it is beautiful it is sweet 
uh, some of the revelation that they have, and I've learned a lot from them. But it was a conscious choice to move outside of the charismania, right, uh, side of teaching and move into a more rigid, very biblically-based teacher. You guys following me? I, I, I made a conscious choice. Does that make sense? Like, I'm trying to get out of what is comfortable to me. What is my tradition and trying to put myself into the traditions of others that would allow me to actually fine-tune my thinking in my life. Make sense? Okay. So there's all these countless disciplines, right, that we have access to as believers when it comes to our relationship with Christ. For example, Bible studies, worship, prayer, fasting, you name it, right? These are all things that the Lord has placed in our life that we have access to. However, I believe the Lord is shifting the church into a new season where these spiritual disciplines will potentially be dangerous if we don't guard our hearts and our minds. You're like, Joel, how can prayer and fasting be dangerous? We're going to get to that. I thought the same thing. But are you continuing to grow past those traditions that were originally set up in place to help you get a jump start on your spiritual life? Do you realize that there is something that can make these traditions and sacred rhythms in your life hindering? So the question is, what is it that makes these traditions a hindrance? This is just uh, some of the things that I tried to think through. My dad helped me because, again, like I said, I was really struggling with this message. Traditions can become hindering when you lose your focus and the purpose of that tradition. Right? New Covenant's coming up on 25 years, which is just crazy to me. That makes me feel super old that it's been around that long. And we've seen that there are certain traditions that have been passed down to us, right, as the body. And there are certain traditions that we are passing down to our children. Now, the question is, is are they good? Are they bad? That is up to you and the Lord, right? So there are three traditions that I believe that we must be careful of into this next season. And I think the Lord is actually warning us um, as a body. So the first one, Bible study. I want you to read that. I thought I try to like be super corny and kind of funny about it, but oh yeah, it is pretty small. It says, "Well, Rachel, I suppose you could say that Moses downloaded the commandments from the cloud." All right, that did not go over as smoothly as I, as I thought it would. I actually, like, lost it when I found this. I was like, that is rich. Kind of corny. You, you know, if you guys want to give me a petty laugh, that's, that's totally fine. So, <laughs> thank you. So, Bible study, you're like, Joe, what the heck? How can a Bible study kind of become a hindrance in my life? But it can become a mundane act when, you, when your purpose is not discovered. So, personally, okay, listen, before I share this, like, this is personal. This is something that I do not want you listening to, hearing, and saying, Joel said that, that's what the Lord did in his life, I've got to go do that, okay? That is how the Lord asked me (laughs) and challenged me in this specific area, okay? I was not discovering, I was just studying. I was studying, not discovering. Because I love this thing. And when I first, I'll never forget, when I first 
the Lord just touched me, and I was able to encounter him as much as I was dancing and worshiping him as I was in the word. And when you experience that, it's just like, I can't, I can't get enough of the Lord up here. I can spend hours up here, right? You guys know what I'm talking about. I mean, it is awesome when you're encountering the Lord in worship and you're like, Lord, I can spend hours up here just worshiping you. I'll be honest with you. It was the exact same thing with me with the word. When I first discovered it, I was like, oh, this is amazing. Jesus, I'm just, I love reading your word. I love encountering you through your word. And I remember calling my dad. Just, I mean, it, they're, they're very well-known facts within Scripture, but the, the rock that Moses struck, right, and the water came out and it uh, satisfied the thirst of the Israelites. Have you ever wondered why, how that rock literally started at the beginning of the 40 years? And then if you look at that word, it's actually the same rock at the end of their journey kind of weird right like how did that rock literally go from here to there right and Paul actually tells us well that rock was Jesus and I was like oh my gosh a revelation from heaven and I called my dad and I'm like dude did you know this yes son I did (laughs) you know but it's just that excitement it's like even the little things you're like oh my heavens I have been blinded this is awesome stuff and so for years, I just continued, and, and, and I would worship the Lord for maybe like five minutes, and then be like, all right, hours, just spending time into the Word. Again, this is not because I'm, I'm not like this amazing Christian. I'm not like, oh, Joel just loves the Word. Like, no, like, I do, but my gosh, I don't have it figured out, right? Because right? I know sometimes before that, the Word is, was dry. It was boring to me. It really was. Like, <laughs> it was horrible. It really was. Like, I wish I was pure in heart and saying, like, I loved reading my word. Like, those 30 minutes or that five minutes was, like, so refreshing. No, it wasn't. Right? But as I continued through this tradition, it was studying and not discovering. And how many of you can actually say that you enjoy, when you, you enjoy God when you study Scripture? I do now. <laughs> but before, not at all. So the Lord asked me, Joel, I don't want you reading your Bible for two weeks. And I was like, that's not you, Jesus. Like, you told me to get in my word every day, right? That can't be of you. That has to be demonic. So what did I do? I brought other leaders in my life that have access to my life, that can speak into my life. I told them the encounter I had with the Lord. Hey, the Lord told me not to read my Bible for two weeks. I'm like, yeah, the Lord's on that. Because it's forcing you to encounter him in a new way. It's forcing you to get out of your tradition, to get out of your routine. Because he's wanting to teach you something else. And I was like, no. <laughs> and I'll never forget, hey, listen, Lord, Lord, the Lord rewards growth with pruning. He slapped me upside the head and says, listen to me. Listen to the individuals that are speaking into your life. It's true. Take two weeks. And I'm telling you, that was the hardest two weeks of my life because I had a morning routine. I had a tradition, right? Again, it's not bad, right? It's there for a reason. But when I start worshiping through the tradition over his presence, that's where it gets wonky. Or what'd you call it, Mike? What's the word? It's where it gets cringy. I don't know if that's the right context. It is? Wonky. Okay. I don't know anything, so. 
right? Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but Scripture is meant to be read by those who are in love with Jesus. If you are not in love, it's sad. And that's actually... Now, listen, take this as a grain of salt. Take it up with the Lord. And this is because this is what the Lord did with me. It, are you actually in love with me? Because before this, you were sad. You left reading the, after you read the word dry. You thought it was boring. And for me personally, it's because I didn't really love him. I loved myself. That's what I just talked about. I was selfish. You guys good? Okay. Next one. Worship. So it reads, I think the hand raising is kind of like rabbit ears. Better reception. <laughs> I thought it was kind of, I thought it was pretty. Thank you. <laughs> I made it. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. You know, I, I, uh, I love to have fun. I like to, like sometimes, you know, some of the stuff can be heavy. And I really, I, I don't want it to be, right? I, I, I genuinely want it because myself and pastors, teachers, preachers, whatever you want to name us, right? Like our job's not to feed you. So if you're saying, he didn't feed me i got to go to a different church. I'm not being fed over there. That is on you. Scripture is very clear. We are called to equip. That is the purpose of why we are up here. Is to equip, not feed. So because we have not had a tradition of studying Scripture, worship can very much become self-serving. So hopefully you guys know my heart as I talk about this subject, uh, this specific uh, segment, worship, right? Worship is very key here, right? And I don't want you to think I'm knocking worship, because that's not what I'm doing at all. I'm, right, I'm really trying to ask and impose the question of, of like, what are you worshiping, Right? Because worship can very much be about me feeling good, getting the goosebumps, or having fun in the presence, but my heart's not really connected to the Father. You know, I, I remember going to Bethel. Worship out there is just absolutely incredible. You know, being able to listen to them live every day is, is a real unique treat. And I'll never forget, there was one time I said, I just can't wait to get, get wait, can't wait to get to the front. And I didn't think anything of it until then, and then, you know, really where I started kind of studying and doing all this stuff, I remember being brought to that moment, and the Lord asking me, why, why could you not wait to get to the front? Did you think my presence was, like, more accessible up there than in, my, in the closet that where we spend time? Again, up here, it's great. His presence is, there is, there is something unique about stepping out of your seat and coming forward, right? Don't, he, don't, <laughs> don't hear me say, don't come up here. 
It's not what I'm saying, right? But when your motive is to feel good, to feel free, or whatever <laughs> spiritual jargon you want to use, then worship is about you. Oh, Jesus, I need freedom. I'm going to worship you. Yep, yep. But you're, you're, the reality is, is what you're worshiping and your reward is not freedom. It's him. He is our reward. And you know what? The beautiful thing, when he is our reward, you know what happens? We, be, we become free, right? But what has happened is, is we worship freedom rather than the individual that makes us free. It's a very, it's a very dangerous slope, right? It's, it's very tricky to navigate. But if you worship to receive something, you are not worshiping. You are bargaining. Whoops. If you worship to receive something, you are not worshiping. You are bargaining. I'm just going to let that sit there for a hot second because even right there I was like, whew. It's, uh, it's kind of weighty. If you have an ulterior motive, if you're coming in here to receive something, you're just bargaining with the Lord. You're getting the counterfeit. So in that stream of worship, one of the questions that the Lord kind of asked me, um, you know, because again, we're, we're reading about the Israelites in chapter 4. And I remember like, what? Do you ever remember? Do you ever wonder why Israel always fell short? Like, they never obeyed. They never followed. You know what I mean? It was just like, man, time and time again, they continued to just fall apart. They always fell short. And I really f feel that they always fell short because they knew God by his acts, not like Moses who knew him by his ways. They fell short of knowing him because they discovered the manna rather than discovering him as the provider. So again, the Lord is providing something. He is offering something. And so my question is, is are you worshiping that thing? Are you worshiping worship? Are you worshiping yourself because it you, makes you feel good, right? Are you worshiping the manna and not the provider of the manna? I want to be, I want to know him by his ways, not by his acts, right? Mm. They followed traditions rather than the presence. And I did that for so long. I followed traditions rather than his presence. All right, moving on to the next one. You guys ready for the next one? We're doing good on time. Prophetic. So this is, I, I had to explain this to my dad. So you see the top one says prophecy. So what kind of spiritual gift do you, huh? Make sense or no? She said it first. Oh gosh, dang. She said it first because she knew that he was going to ask, what's your spiritual gift? And then the rock's like, what? All right. Again, another flop. That's okay. Lily could not care any less. I laughed at it. It's more for me, I guess. So I thought it was pretty funny. Okay. So you're like, Joel, what the heck? How, does, how can prophecy become a tradition? It's a really good question. Let's, let's go. Let me, let me, uh, let me kind of dive into that. When we don't really rely on Christ and are looking for the next prophetic word, or I've got to go to the prophetic team, the next guest speaker to give you a word, then it is evident that you are worshiping the gift of prophecy rather than the creator of that gift. Again, 
Hear my heart. The prophetic team is here for a reason. It is evidently clear in Scripture that it is needed, it is mandated, and that is a part of our walk with Jesus. He has gifted people with the gift of prophecy, and they are called to exercise that. Hear my heart. This is not an excuse for you to say, oh, well, Joel, you know, told me I I can't (laughs) prophesy. I can't do anything prophetic because it's, it's a tradition. No, like that's just an excuse for your laziness. Sorry, it's too harsh. (laughs) I actually got one of the best compliments uh, at at youth camp uh, on Friday. (laughs) One of them came up to me and says, I just want to thank you for being harsh, being a little brash. And uh, I was like, thank you. I appreciate that. Or blunt. That was the that was actually the word. I couldn't remember it off the top of my head. Um, so again, don't don't use this as an excuse. There is a mandate in scripture for this. But if you I, I and I've heard this at at, um, uh, at different conferences and stuff. Oh, I just I literally cannot wait to get a word from that team. I can't wait to get to church. I can't wait to get to this conference because I know I'm going to get a word from the Lord. (laughs) We are worshiping the tradition of prophecy rather than discovering the presence of God within prophecy. And here's the reality is like, if you get a word and you take that as face value, you're actually not following the biblical mandate of testing that. We're actually called to test that word. And what is that actually really doing? For me personally, this is my personal belief, is it's actually an invitation to uh, discover God in a new way. So you get that up here, and then what do you do? You actually go to the secret place, and you're like, all right, Lord, let's, let's actually hash this out. Right? You can't deeply desire a prophetic word over a conversation with the Lord. You cannot deeply desire a prophetic word over a conversation with the Lord. Again, please, New Covenant, hear my heart. We have an amazing team that has been trained, equipped, developed when it comes to the prophetic. Man, if you are so focused on coming up and getting a word from somebody else than the Lord himself. You're worshiping a tradition. You're worshiping a gift. You're worshiping a kingdom without a king. So again, all three of these, Bible study, worship, the prophetic, they're all good. Like the Israelites. The Ark of the Covenant was good. Right? But there is, within the body, I really feel, I, and I'm, I am in this. I, I am in the body. I am as immature. Because I think the body is immature. And we are not going after God himself. We are going after traditions. I really believe that. I really do. And it stings because I'm right there. 
They are wanting Moses to go to the mountain for them, just like the Israelites did. Moses, go. Oops, nope. Moses, go to the mountain and speak to the Lord for us. You do the hard work of hearing the voice of the Lord. Worship team, you do the hard work of cultivating the presence in worship. And then I'm going to come and enjoy that presence. For the new believer, this is, this is good. Somebody that just recently got saved, you need that. You're off the hook. <laughs> Not really, no. I say that, but seriously, like for the new believer, all of these things that we have in place are actually for you. They just started to understand the gospel and they are learning to navigate the word of the Lord. So they need the guidance of a more seasoned believer. But, say but. But, but the maturing Christian, relying on your pastor Sunday morning sermons or your wood meat, oh, yikes. Midweek Bible study or your daily podcast is not enough to properly nourish your soul. Paul writes in, to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 3, 2 regarding his teaching, I fed you with milk, not solid for food, for you were not ready for it. Again, because new converts, they weren't ready for it. They needed these traditions to allow them to actually grow in their walk with the Lord. Right? Relying on your pastor to spoon feed the word of God to you is like a mother feeding an infant child. And I'm telling you right now, we've got 30-year-old individuals that are still breastfeeding. We've got 50-year-olds. I know that's a weird freaking concept. I know. It's kind of weird as my wife is breastfeeding my son. (laughs) You know, it's just like, but that's the reality. We've got 50-year-olds. Sorry if you're 50. I'm not targeting you. Right? That you know, have been saved for a long, long time, and you are still drinking the milk. Is that too harsh? (laughs) It's it's true. Real maturity doesn't take place until you learn to study, interpret, and apply the scriptures to your own life and actively encounter him through the word, here for yourself, and understand that he is the reward of our worship. Because we do not have a devotional life, when we, we then worship the traditions and substitute those traditions, and that is our spiritual life. For example, right, I said, worship team, you cultivate the presence. Prophetic team, you cultivate an environment for the word of the Lord, and we show up and, and enjoy something we, in fact, did not work for. Personally, again, Bethel taught me so much. Um, It really did. It it showed me a lot about myself. And the presence of God is very thick there. I'm just being super real. As soon as you walk in there, you're like, what is that? Like, Lord, is this heaven? Like, I'm I'm serious. His his tangible presence is, 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 it's very unique. But there's, that's, there's, that is very dangerous, right? Just with everything, everything. Um, 
everything has the opportunity to go from one side of the pendulum to the next. And you're like, well, Joel, how can that be dangerous? There's a lot of students, a lot of students that flow in and out of Bethel. And I'll never forget, Chris Vallotton did a teaching, and uh, he actually gave us statistics. I, I don't really remember the statistic, but it was ridiculously high. It was like 60%, 70%. Do, um, they asked the alumni where you're at, you know, all this stuff. It's like, what are you doing? You living right for the Lord? You know, just stuff like that, just to try and gauge to help them with new students coming in to hone in on, like, what do we need to work on to properly equip our students? 60-some, 70%, we're not living right for the Lord. They weren't in church. They didn't want to have anything to do with God. And for me personally, I really, uh, I really believe because students are coming into an environment that is so thick with the presence, it is very easy very easy to mistake their growth and the reward that they are receiving for their continual pioneering of the presence for your own. That is their fire. It's not yours. You're getting to benefit from it. Yes, you're getting to grow in that environment. But as soon as you leave, you think you're a lot farther along. You're a lot, you think you're deeper in your relationship with him than you actually are. And the next thing you know, you're out of that environment and you fizz out. There's that same danger here. Because worship is so saturated with his presence. The prophetic team is so saturated with his presence. The hearer journals are so saturated with his presence that you can slip into the same thing where you think that the fire that you're experiencing, the presence that you're experiencing is in fact yours, but in all actuality, it's the pioneering of Eric and Tom and Lynn. It is the reward for their hard work. It is the reward for their sacrifice. And you get to experience it. And I don't want you, right, I'm not coming down as harsh because that's, that's the beauty. It's to equip. They, their reward is your reward. But you can't mistake it for your own growth because it's not. Right? If you want to make history with God, get in the freaking closet. Spend time with Him. Open up the Word. These traditions, they're good. They really are. I'm telling you, they're, they're so helpful. I used to be a podcast junkie. I used to w listen to worship on my way to work. I'm not saying these are bad, right? But are you relying on other people's teaching? Are you relying on somebody else's worship music? So really, I mean, practically, if we were, if we were truly to take away like Bill Johnson, Chris Valentin, David Platt, Jesse Duplantis, um, David Jeremiah, I love, um, oh shoot, what's his name? Golly, I, I read a lot of his commentaries. Shoot, can't even remember off the top of my head. Are we really able to say that we're discovering Jesus for ourselves? If we were to literally like to remove all of their teaching, are we actually able to say like, yeah, I'm discovering the Lord for myself? Or are we simply regurgitating somebody else's teaching? Like I mentioned earlier, this is exactly where we start. 
this is necessary as we start to discover who we are in him. Right? But it goes beyond that. And I really believe the Lord is wanting the church to go on to the next step in their relationship with him where revelation is cultivated in your heart with him and your alone time uh, with him. Not through the constant teaching of someone else. Again, is it helpful? Absolutely. Is it a starting point? 100%. There is more that he is wanting to do. And are we going to allow the Lord to move us out of the place that we are at and into this next season? Because if you don't allow him to move, it will 110% be a hindrance in your life. I think it's very evident that this is the case with the condition of the church and the condition of our world. I don't know about you guys. It's just, it's a, it's a madhouse. <laughs> it just blows my mind. But it's because we, uh, again, not New Covenant, but as a church, as a whole, right, we have chosen to stay right where we're at and stay on the, the teat, for lack of better terms, and just be content with the milk that we're getting. And it's time to move to meat and potatoes, people. You know? When you're leading somebody to the Lord, and you're just regurgitating Bill Johnson... Hate to break it to you. That's not what that's not what's gonna save him. Right? It's through the presence of King Jesus that you have cultivated in your alone time with him. Again, is it helpful? Yes. Hear my heart. Yes. So what we want to do, we've seen an example through the Israelites of making something that is God breathed. A tradition, something to assist and help them. We have done the same. Worship, Bible study, the prophetic, all tools to assist us in our relationship with him. But we have relied he- too heavily on those traditions as we mature. Because the reality is, is we are maturing. But that maturity is being hindered. It is being Uh, It can only go so far, right? And one of the things that that really helped me is repenting. So that's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray. You're going to repeat after me. I don't like doing this stuff. Uh, Yeah, I I just really don't. But I really felt like that was what the Lord wanted to do. So even challenging me, right, to get out of my comfort zone. So what we're going to do, we're going to stand up. Come on. Thank you, King Jesus. And we say, Jesus, Jesus. we thank you (laughs) for everything that you have given us. And Lord, I repent right now for taking everything that you have given me and worshiping that instead of your presence. And so, King Jesus, from this day forward, I am going to see you as my reward. Through my Bible study, through my worship, through the prophetic, 
I choose you. We thank you for that tradition. But Lord, we are moving forward. In your name we pray. Amen. Come on. All right. So, action plans. What are your action plans this week? Boom. Oh, yes, I was going to show you this uh, along with the, the action plan. So this picture right here, man. Whew. I did forget about it. It's funny, I was preparing this, and I'll never forget when I first stumbled upon 1 Samuel 4. It was in this room. The Lord is so sweet. And he rocked my world in that room. And this is, this is how my tradition started. I had scripture plastered all over my wall. Memorizing scripture. Not for memorization's sake, but to discover <laughs> that black frame was uh, a picture of Jesus. And I'll never forget spending hours on my knees <laughs> worshiping King Jesus because he had so radically transformed my life. I had highlighters, I had pens, you see in my Bible, just going to town on that. I'm not saying that you need to highlight everything, that was just the way the Lord spoke to me. And then you have my journal. On the left side, I had, uh, actually on the left of my book, there's a, there's a, or on the left of my Bible there's a book. And I would read two books at a time. And every day, I would read a chapter of one book and then a chapter of the other. And I would spend hours in Scripture. And on the left, I would write down the key points in my journal from what I was reading. And on the right, I would actually journal what the Lord was speaking over me. Asking Him, Lord, what's on your heart? And that was a very, very precious time. And so I, want, I wanted you to see my routine, where it started, the tradition that the Lord had me start in. Now, can I sit here and say I'm spending several hours doing that? Absolutely not. You, most of you are parents. It seems impossible. But that's where it all started for me, where the where the Lord really began to encounter me, where I fell in love with the Word, where I had this desire that I was over this gospel that was about me, that my life was not my own. My question to you, are you guys dead? Because I want to be dead. So that's what that picture is. That's where my action plan started. That was at 5 a.m. I probably had four cups by then. And the, 
And the Lord would just wake me up 3, 5 a.m., just stupid, ridiculous times. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm so thankful for it now. And so get into a place that from there it transitioned to my closet. And so that's what I want you to do. I want you to find a spot. And this week I want you to read Colossians 3 and 4. I know that's the action plan for New Covenant. The other thing I want you to do is I actually want you to sit in silence. We are very good about telling God what we need. We actually, we need to shut up sometimes. I mean, I'm being, I'm being dead serious. We just, we don't shut up. And we think that, Jesus, I need to tell you. Yes, you need to tell him because he loves to hear it. But my gosh, communication is a two-way street. If you're not giving him any time to communicate back to you, you are missing out on so much. Right? So I want you to sit in silence, phone away, laptop away, and I want you to just listen. You read Colossians, you go through your hair journal, all that stuff. But I want you to sit in silence. The next one is your memory verse for this week, John 13, 34 through 35. Next one is instrumental worship. So again, I, I love Bethel music. I love elevation. I love, oh, there's this new, I, they're not new. Have you guys ever heard of Maverick City worship? They are rocking my world right now. My wife gives me such a hard time because when I hear one song, it is on repeat. She's like, shut it off. <laughs> but do this week, don't listen to any of those songs. I don't want you listening to any music that has words. I want you to listen to Strictly Instrumental because it's forcing you because I love to sing with it. There's power behind it. Don't, don't, don't hear me wrong, right? It's very needed. But listen to instrumental music that's forcing you not to say anything, not forcing you to, it's forcing you not to sing. Just rest. Hmm? Dabbing keys? Oh. Well, I'm taking, I'm going to listen to that this week. Listen to them. My dad and I, it was just funny, every time I study, every time I get in the Word, I have just real slight instrumental worship. And, and uh, so I want to encourage you guys to do that because there's something very special and unique about that. Last one, ask the Lord what is in His heart. Don't tell Him what's in yours. <laughs> do that. But you need to do that. But I the focus is to ask Him what's in His heart heart and I personally have seen more fruit in my life when I have asked what's in his heart rather than telling him what's in mine again it's a balance okay I'm not telling you not to share your heart with the Lord that's not what I'm doing I want to know what you are thinking God and I want you to journal it I literally want you to write it down because I'm telling you right now He's going to be sharing things with you that will actually help you years later. And that's actually one of the cool things that I'm in right now. Things that I wrote down years and years and years ago. I think I, I don't even know where they are. I've probably got 20 journals that I have just filled 
right for times that I just crack back open and see what the Lord's done in my life, the growth, the pruning. I mean, it is just so beautiful, so rewarding, but also so painful. It really is. So that's the, that's the action plan for this week. I want you to take this very seriously. I know you guys you know, have an action plan, uh, and I know you guys take it seriously, but I really want uh, you guys to give attention uh, to this because you, each and every one of us are presented with an opportunity uh, to change uh, the trajectory of where this world, where this nation is headed. And uh, it's not going to be easy. We, we need people with a strong back. And right now, the church is, does not have a strong back. And so, don't be like the Israelites. I know it's, you hear that all the time. Don't turn your traditions. Don't worship your traditions. Worship the individual that made that tradition. Go past that tradition and continue to move forward uh, into greater levels and realities of who King Jesus is. Sound good? Come on. All right, well, Lord, let's, uh, let's close out in prayer, and then you guys can get out of here. And I made a good time. Come on. Holy Spirit, you are so good. Holy Spirit, you are the one that brings radical transformation. And so, Lord, I thank you that through this week, as we go through our action plan, reading Colossians, uh, memorizing Scripture, listening to instrumental worship, and, Lord, asking what is in your heart. Lord, I thank you that you would reveal yourself to us in new ways, that you would equip us in new ways, Lord. And I thank you for just a new grace and a new strength to walk out this next season of our lives, Lord. Lord, I thank you for the grace to make the choice of saying, Lord, I'm leaving my traditions. Though they were good, though they were helpful, though I got radical uh, teaching out of it, whatever it may be, Lord, that is not sufficient enough. I need more of you. I need your presence. Lord, you are my reward. Your presence is the pearl of great price. And so, Jesus, we again surrender ourselves to you. Our life is not our own. Our life is yours. Thank you, King Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Guys, thank you so much again for allowing me to come here with you guys, spend time with you. Uh, it is always a pleasure being able to see you, even though I can't legitimately see you because of these lights. <laughs> I love you guys, and uh, have a great week.